name is Ella Kate Marisi, and you are listening to More Than Child's Play with your host, my mommy, Lacey Marisi, and my aunt Nicole Surgeon. They're authors, therapists, and most importantly, mommies. And man, can they talk. So sit back and relax and learn from their village. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the More Than Child's Play podcast. Today, we're switching gears a little bit and excited to bring you an episode that's going to focus on children and teens that are a little older than our usual population that we discuss. I'm very excited to bring to our conversation Dr. Brad Dinklocker and Larry Shipley. I'm going to just take a minute to tell you quickly about both of them. Brad is an athletic trainer, a physical therapist, and a performance coach with the ProMotion team in Winchester, Virginia. He received his bachelor's degree in kinesiology with a focus in exercise science at Shenandoah University before entering the dual master in athletic training and the doctorate of physical therapy program. While in graduate school, Brad completed numerous clinical rotations, including rehabilitation in the clinic, as well as on-field coverage of sporting events. He also had the opportunity to spend nearly a year on clinical rotations at the Gulf Breeze, Florida location of EXOS, formerly Athletes Performance, partaking in rehab of professional and college athletes. While in Florida, he also gained extensive experience working with tactical athletes, rehabilitating and assisting in performance coaching of retired and active duty military from all branches of the armed service as well as law enforcement. Let me tell you um, a little bit about Larry. Larry Shipley is a licensed physical therapy assistant and a performance coach. He also works at Pro Therapy and ProMotion in Winchester. He attended Shepherd University obtaining a bachelor's degree in fitness and exercise science. He then started coaching football locally where he assisted with linebackers and managed all strength and conditioning programs. While coaching at Washington High School in Jefferson County, West Virginia, Larry became very passionate about strength, conditioning and rehabilitation. And that eventually led to a career as in physical therapy as a technician. And then he went on to receive his associate's degree from Blue Ridge to become a physical therapy assistant. He continues to provide rehabilitation services along with strength and conditioning programs as a performance coach at Pro, and he is functional movement screening certified and continues to expand his knowledge with multiple certifications. Brad and Larry um, are both uh, friends of mine and also were my therapists um, and and therapist to my daughter. Uh, In our family, we like to to keep it all together and we decided to tear our ACLs within a year of each other and for over a year now they have been rehabilitating myself and my teenage daughter who is a dancer. Um, We like to joke here at Milestones and Miracles that play builds brains and that you should take time to play but I will tell you if you are over 40 that should not be in a bouncy house. Uh, (laughs) That's what did my ACL in and they helped bring me back. While I spent time rehabilitating at their facility, I had the opportunity to see them also train and rehabilitate a variety of athletes of all different ages. 
um, both from an injury comeback standpoint and also injury prevention. And that's why I wanted to have them here because as a mom of two athletes um, and a therapist myself, who's often asked to take care of my friend's children who, who are athletes when they get injured, I know that they bring a lot more to the table in the athletic realm than I do. And they have a lot to share with our audiences. So thank you guys for being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your work with pediatric and adolescent athletes? What ages are you seeing? What sports typically? And what's really the variety of needs they're sent to you with? Yeah, so we start seeing athletes at around um, eight years old to 18. Um, and But that really varies depending on the sports. Um, we see a variety of athletes from swimming, baseball, basketball soccer, gymnastics, dance, football, volleyball, cross country, track, and wrestling. <laughs> we lot. See yeah. All. And that's probably, we probably missed some there. I'm yeah. not sure. <laughs> yeah. Martial yeah. arts. Did we forget martial arts? You've probably seen some. There, yeah, there, there's been a couple of martial arts. There's a few. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell us, cause we get this question a lot and I think parents definitely feel it now, probably more than in years past. At what age do you start seeing young athletes encouraged to specialize in one sport? That's a great question. So we're actually starting to see this a lot more and it's starting at the earlier ages. I mean, we're talking as soon as the athlete's able to start playing seventh, eighth, you know, eight years old, what they're doing is the parents or coaches are kind of pushing them to specialize just in one sport. Um, but research says that about 10 to 12 years old um, is when it really starts and it peaks, I would say, about 16, 15, 16 years old. Yeah. And and so, you know, that's kind of what we're talking about here in this podcast is that's a little earlier than what uh, what would be ideal for sure. What would you recommend? So, if a parent comes to you and says, my kids soccer coach, baseball coach wants them to do nothing but this sport and they're 10 years old or whatever age. What, what do you, how do you respond to that? Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's going to be a difficult conversation because here's the thing is we're not here trying to say that uh, some of these sports uh, groups are wrong in any ways. I mean, we're, we have better athletes now than we've ever had in the history of sports um, but it, there, at a certain point, we do have to consider keeping people healthy. Um, there is a lot of recommendation that you really shouldn't be true sports specialization until 16 years old. Um, now that it pretty much specialization is happening before that. I mean, the, I think it, the, there's some studies showing that the average for an individual sport is at 14 years old is when specialization is occurred by then and then 15 years old for team sports. Um, but then when you talk about specialization, that actually has a true definition to it. And that's playing a single sport for eight months or more in a year at the exclusion of other sports. So that's one thing to think about is it's just because you want to focus on a sport doesn't mean you should be dropping other sports completely. Now, there's a lot of other aspects to that, but 
um, yeah, it really comes down to that you want to be doing more than one sport is ideal, even if it's just one for a small period, you know, or, or maybe the, the child isn't taking that sport fully seriously. It's good for their development to have more than one sport. What, what's the benefit of different sports? The benefit of different sports, especially at younger ages, is exposure to multiple movement patterns. Let's say we take soccer. If that's a sport that involves jumping, running, running in multiple directions, um, you know, you kick mostly, but there's even they have to learn to throw the ball in, you know, so there's multiple aspects of the body being used. But if you take that same task and you just repeat, 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 that's the only task they get exposed to. So when, especially sub 12 years old, that's when we get the best carryover of multiple different tasks that you train. So you're just only doing one. Um, so from that perspective, exposure to movement patterns is one of the main reasons to do multiple sports, but there are a lot of other aspects too. That, that because we're also considering one movement pattern over and over again, in some cases, greater than eight months out of the year on an immature skeleton, right? That's correct. So that yeah. growth plates aren't fully formed. Does that play a role? Does, I mean, is that the concern in part? So when there's, when there's sports specialization in an athlete that's, uh, again, sub 16, 15, it kind of varies on what study you're looking at. When there's specialization prior to that, there's an increased risk for overuse injuries. Uh, some studies show that there's an increase in the chance of an acute injury, but that's pretty variable depending on what study you look at, but definitely increased risk of overuse injuries. So that's one of the things we talk about all the time here. By me, I mean myself, Larry, and some of the other coaches here. We see athletes that are 12, 13 years old with the injuries that you'd expect in a college athlete or a professional athlete, you know, some the like tendinopathies and, and uh, general aches and pains. I mean, the number of people of, of, of youth that come in here with just significant trigger points to the point that they can't really function without working them out you know, at 12 years old, right. it's high. So are those the most common injuries you see? Uh, so yeah, some like patellar tendinopathy in the knee of some kind, whether it's, whether it's uh, Osgood Slaughter's or sending Larson Johansson syndrome, um, a lot of shoulder tendinopathy issues over when we get into throwing sports, we start to see a lot in the elbow as well. Uh, there's a lot, quite a few kids that come in with low back pain. That's just kind of something that they deal with. I would say that's not really something that gets treated as much here, but that's something the coaches hear a lot about is, oh, my back's bothering me today. Right. And Larry can probably speak to that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> athletes come in all the time. And one of the things they come in, you know, they start with a dynamic warm up and they say, hey, coach, you know, my back's starting to hurt. I said, well, what'd you do today? Well, I had a practice in the morning. I went home. I had another practice. And then now I'm back here, you know, so too much. Definitely, definitely too much. Definitely start getting in that overtraining realm. And then that's when, you know, back pain and we start seeing stuff start to break down. Hmm. 
Can you talk to us a little bit about the benefits of playing multiple sports? So we know there's a risk for playing one sport more than eight months at that young age, but there's some benefits of playing multiple sports, not just in terms of injury prevention, but what else, why else do you recommend that? Right. So the, the benefit of playing multiple sports can come down to when we, I mean, if we focused on the athletics itself, so the goal being potentially playing at the college level, playing at the professional level, when we look at kind of who makes it to the next level, multi-sport athletes uh, seem to have an advantage with that compared to single sport athletes, at least when they specialize before 15, 16 year olds. So I just have a few statistics. D, D1, in one study, D1 collegiate athletes, only 17% of them were previously single sport athletes. Wow. Uh, so, and, and I mean, these are all separate studies, but um, in elite youth soccer players who became professional by the age 16, uh, they had more hours of unstructured play, 6 to 12. Uh, compared to those that didn't make it. And I know that's a young age, but still, you know, a significant difference there. Uh, Collegiate athletes, again, athletes that have made it to that college level report specializing in sports two years later than those that are currently uh, just still playing high schools and and unrecruited. Um, Let's see, in Major League Baseball, the... Those that did not specialize in one sport in high school played in more major league games and had less injuries. And the 2017-2018 NFL draft picks, 88% were previously multi-sport athletes. So there's nothing wrong with specializing once you're 16 or even older. Um, But it's before that is where we really start to see whether it's an injury or it's a lack of developing these variety of movement patterns that lead to overall athleticism, or if it's a psychologic factor of enjoyment. Yeah, um, I was going to say that, I, you know, in addition to injury prevention, in addition to just athletic success, I, I see a lot of young people, not all, but a lot of young people who by the time they're about 14 to 16 are just done. Because they've just spent so much time doing one sport that they forget why they loved it. Exactly. Um, And there's another just kind of a, I thought kind of a profound statistic that sticks out to the the psychologic uh, component to this is in a one study, they looked at a lot of various elite athletes and their, the question was, why did they quit their sport? Uh, before getting to the professional level and only one of five reported that it was due to injury. So, you know, the other four out of five, you know, there could be monetary issues, but there's a lot of influence for burnout. Yeah. And stress. I mean, and we've even Mm -hmm. seen that recently with athletes at the Olympics or college athletes, just, you know, professional athletes struggle, struggling with mental health issues from intensity and pressure. So that's, I think that's equally important to the physical if, side. If not more important. Yeah, if not more important, for sure. 
So um, let's say you have an athlete who's gung-ho, you know, whatever their sport is, and, and they're really trying to maximize the off-season. I know you guys see a lot of athletes in the off-season. What should that off-season look like for a young athlete? How long should the, should the off-season be? What components that are different from their specific sport should be included? How do you go about setting up an off-season program for them? So... First thing to think about is I, I like you talking about how long that off season should be. Um, you know, there's the one recommendation that we talked about at the beginning is that you want to have only eight months in one sport in a year. That doesn't mean you need four months in the off season. You know, you can play other sports during that time. There are some talks that I've heard about you ideally have two months without competitive play. But again, that doesn't mean you're not playing your sport. Just you, you, you know, you kind of letting kids play it on their own. Um, so somewhere in the range of a off season, probably in like a four to eight week time frame, is ideal. Um, and and Larry can kind of talk to you a little bit more about what the structure of training should be like at that time. So going with the structure. So what we're trying to do with these athletes that are in the off season, we're looking at two to three times a week for about an hour, maybe an hour and a half per session. In these sessions, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make sure that we're touching on pretty much every realm. So we want to make sure this athlete is as multi-dimensional as, pro, uh, as possible. Um, we don't want to overtrain these athletes. We want to make sure that, that they have great body awareness and they just have proper movement mechanics. And so what Larry's kind of talking about there that's really important is that he's talking about training their body, not training their sport, right? So when we define that off season, whether it's four weeks or eight weeks or shorter, if it has to be, um, the, any sport participation needs to be directed by the, by the child. Right. Whether they're playing pickup with their friends or or just doing drills on their own. It yeah. needs to be self-directed, not structured by a coach or a parent. It's um, it's funny because that matches research in the early childhood um, realm too. that activities and, and play for young children should be child directed, child led, not adult assisted. And, it, and it's just a continuum like we see that for three year olds parents putting them in, you know, one activity or one sport after the other one class, because there's this societal pressure that you don't want them to miss out or you don't want them to be behind. And those studies, the same as what you're saying, are linked to earlier and earlier rates of mental health illnesses, higher rates of suicide at younger ages, all kinds of things. So I think it's important that no matter what their age is, that they have some freedom for leisure play you know, just to, just to play for the joy of playing. Um, exactly. Which I don't think enough kids get, especially out <laughs> <No>. <laughs> for sure. Not outside. Okay. So that's super helpful. A common question kind of along that same track of off season conditioning, a common question I hear a lot from parents is what age should weight training be initiated? So Weight training can start as early as 10 years old, but that decision heavily weighs on the strength coach to ensure the athlete has proper lifting and moving mechanics. Um, as a coach, we need to take into effect that not all children and adolescents share the same maturity level of body awareness. 
Um, and with that being said, when we talk about weight training, it doesn't always have to be, you know, everyone always talks about the three main lifts, squat, bench, and a deadlift. There could be numerous resistance trainings, whether it be with bands, whether it be with um, ankle weights. I mean, there's a different variety of resistance training that we could do rather than there's three main lifts. Um, one thing we never do, especially with our pediatric or early adolescent athletes is that we never one rep, one rep max them. And so they're never really at max effort while lifting. We try to keep their repetitions to their sets and reps from probably three to four sets from about eight to 12 repetitions at a very light weight. And once that athlete starts to progress and the coach sees them moving well, they got better body awareness, then we can go ahead and start to bump them up. Now, this is a very small number, but five to 10% a week during resistance training, which is a very, very small number. Yeah. What age do kids start doing one rep maxes? Or that's not necessarily an age, it's more of a skill and awareness level. Yeah. So I like to start about 14 years old if we're going to do any kind of one one rep max. Now, if we have a 12 or 13 year old who I think has got great body awareness, they got good movement mechanics, there's absolutely no risk for injury, then I may do a two or three rep one rep. Yeah, max. Yeah, that makes sense. Kind of along that same track too. Um, one question we had from someone on social media is they have an athlete, their child comes home, you know, complaining of an, of a pain and injury. Are there any guidelines for parents in that quick moment of how they figure out if that week the child should sit it out? When is it okay to sit it out? And when is it okay to push through it? Are there any guidelines for kind of knowing the dis the difference before their, obviously they should see their local physical therapist um, <laughs> for guidance and direction. But before that, how, how would they know that? Yeah, it, actually that's a really difficult thing to figure out. And I think that question and also much of the sport mentality of always pushing through things is potentially a big component with the issues that we have with sports specialization or burnout development, whether that's related to sports specialization or not. What we're seeing now is that uh, the kid, when there's a coach present or if there's a parent that is adamant or pushing that kid, all of a sudden that athlete is now going to respond differently than they would because they are going to, they're going to do well for the coach. They're going to do well for their parent. Um, so they're going to be willing to push through things, especially if someone says that's okay. From my perspective, it's, it's something that I try to work through with people. It takes time. It takes a good relationship because sometimes when a kid feels any discomfort, that might be the first pain that they've literally ever had, you know? So something that even if we think about our own experiences, I remember the first time that I rolled my ankle, which was very minor. I was over getting evaluated by the athletic trainer. I mean, I wouldn't dream of going to the athletic trainer now for that amount of discomfort that I was in, but it was, you know, my first experience with that discomfort. On the flip side of that, and this is kind of going a little more down the therapy route, but 
some parents have kids who have had a really, really big injury when they were younger, whether it's like a broken leg or maybe some kind of surgery for some reason that they've had to recover for. And they then expect that their child has a huge pain tolerance. And that's also not true. And that goes into a lot of different things about the psychologic aspects of pain. Um, where, our, you know, your nervous system will catastrophize new pain because it treats it like it's previous pain. So it, it can be really difficult. So I try to do a lot of talking with the athlete about, okay, you know, what you're feeling right now, is that sharp? Is it achy? Does it feel like when you feel like you ran really hard? Or does it feel like when you are like walking on gravel or something poked you, you know, trying to find easy terms. Yeah. And teaching them how to listen to their body. Exactly. Because that's a pro that's something we learn too, not just something that we know. Exactly. And so many kids, if you get down to the bottom of it, they don't differentiate intense soreness and pain which is a, a, a struggle either way. You know, we don't, we don't want to say push through true pain that's hurt and injury, but we also can't let them not do something just because they're very sore. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it takes, I, I would say it take, it comes down to a good relationship and being able to have that kind of a conversation. That's good. So if a parent really wants to support this child in chasing this big athletic dream and they come to you and they say, what do you recommend in terms of support for success and safety? And that's a broad question because yeah. there's a lot of specifics. Lot. But in general, like if this was your sister or your brother or someone in your family and they said, all right, I want my kid to be great at this, what would your advice be? All right. So there actually are some pretty defined things that you can follow that exist in research. So the first one being um, the don't be in one sport for more than eight months out of the year. Ideally, you're playing more than one sport, but definitely not one sport more than eight months out of the year. Uh, you don't want to accumulate more than 16 hours of organized sports per week, which that's a really small number when we look at what people are involved in. Quick, they get that um, quickly. Yeah, that's easily surpassed. Uh, then... To kind of supplement that, there's some other recommendations out there that exist that you kind of have to uh, see. You're going to have to kind of use it, I think, with the individual athlete and see how they're responding. So we've got the multiple sports, no more than eight months out of the year and the 16 hours per week uh, or don't exceed 16 hours per week. But we can also when we look at younger athletes, they shouldn't be in organized sport more hours per week than their age. Um, and then you also want to aim for a two to one ratio of organized sport to just completely unguided recreational participation in that same sport, right? So it's not a two to one ratio of soccer practice and playing in the backyard. It's a two to one ratio of soccer practice and then playing soccer, but just for fun where nobody's going to judge a kid. Yeah. Uh, and that has a huge factor with the continued enjoyment and reducing burnout. Oh, yeah. um, the other big one that I would have that this is more of like kind of trying to dispel an old wives tale is we've got to get away 
from the 10,000 hours idea, right? 10, 000, the idea that 10,000 hours is what you need to uh, become an expert in something. That was something that was developed in munis- musicians. It's been found to be true in musicians. And it's, if you look back into that information, that has to do with starting practice prior to five years old. Um, you know, some aspects of that might be true in really specialized uh, sports, like something that requires really high skill, like maybe golf. But when we look at the, the body development or physiologic developments that are part of athleticism, those aren't occurring until adolescence anyways. So all that practice that you're putting in prior to is not only leading to potential burnout and overuse injuries, but you're not even getting huge developments from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, this just brings up another statistics, but only 18% of variance in sports performance is associated with deliberate practice. So you're talking, you know, maybe maybe 20% of people are really getting a true benefit from trying to aim for that 10,000 hours type mentality. Yeah. Uh, so th- those would be my big recommendations. I like a, I like a to-do list. That is a really good to-do list. <laughs> yeah. And then, well, and these are, these are things that exist in the literature. Um, there's a lot of question marks on them because one question mark, we overtrain kids but we don't give them the recovery and other things that we do as adults, right? Like they're not spending time doing yoga or doing um, recovery type exercises. There's also not really an inclusion of like what we do here at Pro with the performance training. That's not included in these studies. They're looking at the participation in sport and then their injuries. They're not looking at the supplemental stuff that you do. Now the argument would be if you do more then you're reducing playtime, which is important for development, right? I mean, that's what all youth need playtime. Yeah. But um, those are a lot of questions that are not answered right now or not studied. You guys should start a study. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, got, uh, you got a half a million dollars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I want you just to tell us a little bit about your practice. You have a, a unique setup there where there's therapy and training in the same house. Um, I know as a patient, um, when you have two parents who are therapists and then one of them becomes a patient and then you have a child who becomes a patient and you're friends with a lot of therapists who could have definitely taken good care of us. One of the reasons why we chose to go there was because of the athletic component that would help Gabriella get back to sports, but also the fact that the practical side of things is at some point our insurance was gonna run out and we knew that that probably wouldn't be adequate for her to return to being an athlete. And you guys offer something unique there for patients who then become athletes who are coming, but also just for people who have never been injured and wanna be there. So can you just tell us a little bit about that and how that works for you? Yeah, definitely. So one of the things that makes pro so unique is the services that we provide. And just like how you were saying, um, you guys came to training, insurance was starting to run out. We were able to transfer to more strength and conditioning. And I think that really helps our athletes the most because an athlete comes in and just say that they're coming in for just training. So they'll come in, 
they'll get a movement screen by a coach. You know, if something doesn't look right or pain would occur, anything, we're able to grab athletic trainer, physical therapist right away, and then they can do a more thorough eval. So, I mean, the athlete really, really, I mean, has every outlet here. Um, Jenny Williams now is starting to do a little bit of nutrition. Um, so we're, I mean, strength conditioning, rehab, nutrition, you know, we're trying to all put it all together. That's great. And the facility is wonderful and the variety of equipment, um, you know, even down to the craziness. I did, we both did some blood flow restriction when we <laughs> just the, the technology and and what you have there in terms of progressive work in our field I think is really valuable to our area and it was valuable to us how can people find you so someone's listened to this podcast and they're like I want to learn more about them or I want my kid to go there for training what's the best way to find you We've got our website, which is mypropt.com. And then we've also got our Instagram, which is propt underscore promotion. So those would be the main places to sign, to find us. Uh, There are some, there are some YouTube videos out there under the pro show is the channel. Um, But those would be the main things I would say. Yep. Say the Instagram also has some great training tips um for athletes too if if they're looking for something online to uh, inspire motivate them so uh the mic is yours this can be serious or funny what would you like our listeners to know we ask every guest this it could be about your about what we've talked about or it could be about something totally different Hmm. yeah i don't know not me either I don't know. Well, I'll tell you this. Wow. So I I put a place on our social media to ask questions and I saw one came in while we were talking. So I'll check it. And I know Larry will appreciate this. The question for you guys was, um, will West Virginia University get into the ACC? Oh, that was Uh, discussion today. uh, Yes. Yes, they will get into the ACC. And I'm actually really excited about that. (laughs) (laughs) So that could be something we could tell. Yeah, pro, that's something to talk there, about. In the gym area, pro has a place where if a if an athlete gets recruited to college, they can put their college flag up in the training gym. And that's a really cool thing to see all the different schools that are represented, branches of the military um, that have come through your doors. That's just exciting, I think, and motivating. Yeah, we, we like it too. It brightens yeah. the rooms up. <laughs> we, we actually just put a few up in one of the other, like we had one room's full, so we had to move over to another one. And it was like, wow, this is like, it's nice to have some decoration in here. It's yeah. exciting. It's really exciting. Well, thank you guys so much um, for talking with me. I know just from my own personal friends, but also people in our community that ask me these questions because I'm a PT, they'll really find this valuable. It was very specific, very evidence-based, and I really appreciate your time. Oh, no problem. We appreciate your time. And, and this is not really putting me back together again. Oh, we try. <laughs> That's what we try to do. And I forgot this one earlier because I don't want to sound because if somebody's in gymnastics, they'd be like, hey, all this talk is wrong. And that's the one thing where pretty much everything we talked about doesn't really exist. I mean, the burnout is still there, but because their career is over around 17, 18, for the most part, 
Um, the idea of specialization, it, it's just all off. It's different. It's that's just the different. only so, option for gymnasts. Yeah, exactly. That's, point. Right. that's a good yeah. one. So I, I do want to say that gymnasts and kind of those related sports like that, it's, you know, there are still, we still see the injuries and we still see, um, the, the burnout, but I mean, there's just, like you said, there's no other option, unfortunately. That's a good point. Well, thank you listeners for tuning in. Um, if you have not already, uh, followed the podcast or given us a review and could take a second to do that, we really appreciate it, especially if you liked it. Remember, you can always find, um, old episodes under the more than child's play podcast. You can Always access one, two, three, just play with me, our developmental tool at milestonesandmiracles.com, where there's also some other free goodies. Um, it can also be accessed at Amazon. Um, and we just thank you for being here and for following us along. Make sure you take some time for play today, especially some unstructured play. And we'll see you next time.